Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And we are back. We're going to tell you some tales, both tall and small. So gather all around and enjoy. Both tall I ran out of and small. Yeah. That sounds like, you know, some sort of like a preschooler version of the show or yeah. something. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's guide to the unknown. We're gonna learn some things today. Tall tales, small tales, scary tales, fairy tales. Oh, Ooh. that was wonderful. Oh, yeah, all right, I made it for before. Oh, Kristen, good yeah, job. Thank you. If you've never tuned into Guide to the Unknown before, all you need to know <laughs> There are lots of things like this. Really <laughs> dig in and enjoy that. It's true. Every week Kristen and I research two different topics from the world of horror to share them with each other. Mm-hmm. And we laugh <laughs> as we learn. <laughs> yes. Ooh, wow, we're really <laughs> Like full of them tonight. We should have like a public access show. Yeah, seriously. I think we're killing it on the slogans. Yeah, we are. We should probably pick one though. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. No, we can have a million slogans. Say like four things. Nothing wrong with slogans. No, no. And there's nothing wrong with segments. Why don't we go to our first one? Bite-sized monster madness. (laughs) There are times that Chris and I find out about a monster that doesn't deserve an entire deep dive. And in those cases, we just talk about them for a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. So uh, this week, because of the obnoxious heat wave that is ruining my life. Yeah, we're having a heat wave, a tropical heat wave. Yeah, I can't stand it. Me neither. It's so disgusting. Even uh, the act of trying to put AC units in my house just makes me like hotter and sweatier. And it's like going into a deeper pit of hell. Yes. To to get some air to climb back out. Yeah, absolutely. The whole the whole thing is terrible. Like, why am I getting a full workout yeah. from like doing the Swiffer wet jet? Yeah. Like oh. my Apple Watch was like, oh, you've completed your exercise ring because I was sweating profusely. My heart rate was probably up. Yeah, it's terrible. And Ugh. now I'm getting notifications from Google on my phone that say like about the air quality. Yeah, air quality is low. You may not be able to breathe. I'm like, oh no, terrible. What do we do? Go underground? I don't know what we do in that case. But... I hibernate more in the summer than in the winter. Oh, absolutely. So I'm gonna be doing that. I'm on that. 100. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I want to talk about the potential culprit for the issues we're having, the heat miser. Oh, that's awesome. You may know him from uh, the Rankin and Bass year without a Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. When Santa Claus is depressed. <laughs> right. And that, not willing to send out presents. That movie is so weird. Not weird. It's yeah. not that he's sick. It's not that he's no. missing. It's that he's too depressed. He's down. I mean, I guess we all get down. We I guess do. it's kind of a good mental health message. Even Santa gets depressed. I suppose so. You know, we should all talk about our struggles. Yeah. But the uh, the two two of his elves, Jingle and Jangle, yeah. go to visit the Heat Miser and uh, Snow Miser. Yeah, yeah. And the Heat Miser has flaming red hair. Yep. He's responsible for summer. I was hoping that maybe he was based on something. Uh, he's not. Yeah. Uh, In the story, he is said to be the uh, one of the sons of Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, oh, right. Yeah. He forgot that that's a thing. He was in the original movie, and then they made um, like a, a, a sequel in 2008. Yeah. But they also did a live action version in which the Heat Miser looks uh, is just a guy with a prosthetic nose and disgusting eyebrows. How was I not aware of that? I mean, I'm kind of glad that I wasn't aware of it, but. Yeah. Oh God! Was yeah. it was it a made for TV thing or something? I it had so. to have been, yeah, or, or a straight to DVD. If you're not familiar, the Rankin and Bass movies are like you know these claymation yeah. pictures with cute little cartoons. Yeah, I love them so much. And then they made the live action version, and I don't know who they cast, but they just put a bunch of horrible prosthetics on his face. Everybody who's just listening can't see this right now. Yeah, go check out the YouTube version or look up live action Heat Miser and imagine this man. Standing outside your house. Uh, oh, like blowing hot breath onto your house and making it hot. Yeah, exactly. 
Oh, God, that's like the worst case scenario. Yeah. Anyway, totally made up thing. Not really based on anything like, yeah. you know, Snow Miser, you could probably theorize is based on Jack Frost. Yeah, or yeah. Or whatever. Heat Miser Father is just, Snow. just a Father Snow. Uh, Heat Miser is just a, a Just a mean guy. Thing. Yeah, he's just horrible. Anyway, yeah. uh, that is Heat Miser. Oh God! That's all. I Not have to a say fan. About him. Yeah, although not a fan of his work. They also made, also made a claymation sequel mm-hmm. that came out ten years ago, and it's the Heat Miser. It's like the Heat Brothers Christmas or the Miser <laughs> Brothers Christmas something, and it's the original style. It's a claymation movie, and I had never heard of it. I yeah, I kind of want to at least just like look it up or something now because I feel like there was a resurgence of people talking about the Heat Miser. And the snow miser or whatever and how ridiculous it is. I feel like it's one of those things that somehow just kind of came back around at a certain point, which might have been like 10 years ago or whatever. Right, so yeah. I wonder if they were like striking while the iron was hot. Yeah, maybe. I feel like also, um, I mean, I know that this is something from my wheelhouse, so maybe it's just my limited view. But I feel like people were talking about heat miser a lot when Jersey Shore first came out because Paulie D's hair is very heat miser-esque. Oh, is that right? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Did he style himself after the heat miser? <laughs> One could argue he does tan. He likes to tan. Okay. GTL. Yeah, that works. That's, yeah. That counts. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my bite-sized monster madness for the week. Cool. Yeah. All right, sweet. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, do you want to go first or should I go first this week? Uh, why don't you go first? I'll go first? All yeah. right. Kristen, I want to talk to you about one of my favorite uh, pop culture uh, movie monsters. Yeah. The monster please. that I have for you this week is not you know, generations old from folklore, from people that used to tell each other stories, Uh you know, as they traveled across the countryside. Yeah. It's something that was written in 1983. Okay. And became a very big part of both of our lives. Okay. Kristen, tell me everything you think you know (laughs) about Gozer the Gozerian. Oh, man. What do I know about Gozer? I mean, he's a bad dude ghost. Okay. I'm trying to think of like details about his like history or whatever. Oh man. I'm like blanking on all the crazy names good. of stuff. Then yeah, good. yeah, because just, yeah. yeah, it's it's way better if you don't know. Yeah, because fine. this is the kind of thing that I wonder for people out there who may be really familiar with the Ghostbusters and yeah. Gozer, who eventually becomes the giant Stay Puff Marshmallow Man at the end of that movie. Yeah. A uh, bunch of people who are familiar with this may just go like Samaria. Why are you just telling me the plot of Ghostbusters right now? But that's the plot of Gozer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's so much more that happens to Gozer in the sequels, in the video Ooh, game, in the comics. Some oh, of which I'm stoked. Is this like is really great. creative. Yeah. And cool, some of which is bug nuts insane. Yeah. And I don't understand how it got published. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Oh, I'm stoked. I actually just rewatched um Ghostbusters 1 and 2 not that long ago, oh, probably awesome. like last month or something. We watched it on the projector. Um it's the best. I love it. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. we went to uh Kristen, her husband Ryan, my wife Allie and I went to Dave and Buster's mm-hmm. last night. Yep. Ryan and I played the Ghostbusters arcade game. Yep. Uh, it was super difficult. Yeah. And like arcades were always designed to keep you pumping quarters into the machine. Yeah. This is like that to the like nth degree, I thought. Oh, really? Ryan and I played it for about two and a half minutes. Yeah. Before it was like, yeah, all right, next we're level, like you gotta wasting. put in more tokens, whatever. And we were like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, you gotta give us a little bit more. But it was still awesome. Like they had the Scolari brothers very cool. flying at you and stuff. Yeah. And I saw the library it's... ghost. I saw Vigo the Carpathian. You can play. You can fight anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm a big fan of Ghostbusters. I got Ghostbusters back in my head. Yeah. And I started thinking about Gozer. That's a. V- I'm very excited about this because I know. Well, I mean, 
I guess not off the top of my head at this moment, but I know a lot about Ghostbusters, but I just know that there's an extended world, but I don't know a lot about it. So yeah. like I am down. Yeah. So just to make sure that everybody is basically on the same page and to give a warning, I am going to be spoiling Ghostbusters 1, 2, the reboot from a couple years ago, the video game, and the comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, so Please warning do. if you are afraid of hearing what happens in those things. They're, yeah. they're comedy movies, but they do have sort of like they do bizarrely have, intricate supernatural plots. Yeah, they have a lure to them. A heavy Yes, lore. it's like a really extensive, it's crazy. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis wrote the first two movies in the video game. Mm-hmm. And Dan Aykroyd in particular had been working on the Ghostbusters concept for like years. Yeah. He originally wanted it to be that it was almost as if you've got the police... Uh, the firefighters, and you've got the Ghostbusters. Right, right. And it was originally supposed to take place on Mars in the future, and they would have fought the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in like the first 15 minutes. They could have been part of the Space Force. Oh my gosh, yeah, they could have been the Space Force. This is very timely. They might still be. They could have been Trumpy's Space Force. So um, when he went to make it a movie, basically everybody was like, we can't shoot this. It's <laughs> right. 1983. We don't have the technology. Yeah, can you please pare this down? And yeah. so they became sort of like schlubby. Like New York guys trying to start a business. Worse for me, I like that better. And it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Now, William, you would think if they could stage the moon landing, they'd be able to send these Ghostbusters to space. You would. It just so. sounds like a a studio executive was being tight with his money. For more information about the moon landing, go watch Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Yep. Room two three eight. <laughs> rearrange the letters. You get Moon Room and yeah. nothing else. That's all you need to know. Um, <laughs> we did a whole episode on The Shining. Yeah. So, um, Gozer is the big villain in Ghostbusters 1. Uh, uh, it is uh, this deity known as, uh, well, I'll just give some of the names because the names are awesome. Gozer the Gozerian, Gozer the Destructor, Volgus Sildrohar, Gozer the Traveler, and Lord of the Sebulia. Awesome. How good are those names? They're real good. And they're all like, ram- I feel like those are in particular are rambled off in like three seconds by Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Who talks fast. Yeah. Who, uh, he's the reason that there's so much heavy lore in Ghostbusters because Dan Aykroyd himself is obsessed mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, like the occult. Like and- everything paranormal. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, in Ghostbusters itself, I'm going to explain, I guess, I'll go with like the fictional world first and then I'll explain a little bit of how Dan Aykroyd came up with this stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, in Ghostbusters, the original movie, 1984 is when it came out, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, Dana Barrett, lives in a skyscraper, and Rick Moranis lives down the hall. Yep. Sigourney Weaver opens her fridge one day, and she sees a demon dog that opens his mouth and screams the word Zool. Yeah. And it terrifies her. That causes her to contact the Ghostbusters. Uh, And also the eggs on her counter are exploding. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Louis Tully has a party for all his friends. Who's Rick Moranis? Who's Rick Moranis? Yeah, sorry. And he opens a door to throw a coat on the bed, and there's a demon dog on the <laughs> I bed. Love that part. And the demon dog eventually chases him down. Uh, Sigourney Weaver's demon dog ends up possessing her. That is Zool, the mm-hmm. the gatekeeper. Yeah. Uh, who's also the key master. Yeah. And uh, Rick Moranis is possessed by his demon dog named Vince Clortho. <laughs> I, I love this whole thing. Yeah. I'll just have to. Keep myself mean, like, yeah, it's so good at everything you're saying. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then the two of them apparently seem to have sex. Yes. He's the gatekeeper. She's the key master. Key and lock. Right. 
they make out and then suddenly the right. top of the building explodes. Things are open. Yeah. 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 So, and that causes Zool or uh, causes Gozer to come into our dimension. Yes. And it is learned then when Gozer is taunting the Ghostbusters and saying like, are you a god? <laughs> and they're cracking jokes. She, she appears in the form of a woman wearing like a, a suit made out of bubbles. Yep. And speaks in a deep exorcist-like voice mm -hmm. and eventually asks them to choose the form that she will take to destroy the world. <laughs> Which is an awesome thing to ask of somebody. Choose the form. <laughs> yeah, choose the way that I will kill you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that becomes a, a giant part of Gozer lore where Gozer now uh, Goes lore. is described as traveling. Gozer the Traveler yeah. travels to different realities different dimensions and always chooses a hero who must pick the form of their Ooh, destruction. cool. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that rules. So the Ghostbusters go like, all right, everybody empty your mind. Don't think of anything. If we think of J. Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover is going to show up and destroy yeah, us. Yeah, kill us. Dan Aykroyd screws up and he thinks of the mascot for his marshmallow, his favorite, his favorite camping marshmallow s'more, whatever. He thinks of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and suddenly Gozer appears as a several stories tall marshmallow monster, yep. and they cross the streams of their proton packs and destroy it. Yeah. All right, so that's the plot of Ghostbusters 1. Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters 2 is all about rivers of slime under New York City. Yep. Uh, basically, I didn't know this, because when I was a kid, I just thought it was an awesome, another awesome Ghostbusters movie. Mm -hmm. For most people, they consider it to be a lesser movie, a piece of crap. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Uh, just slime everywhere, almost like they were getting gacked on Nickelodeon. Yes. It's like glowing pink slime. Yeah. Now, they never made Ghostbusters 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody wanted them to come back, make Ghostbusters 3, but they never, ever, ever did. However, in 2009... Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd got together and wrote Ghostbusters the video game. It was a, an Xbox 360, PlayStation 3 game uh, that reunited all the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd, um, uh, uh, Harold Ramis, um, uh, who played Winston? Winston oh, God, what the hell is his name? What's going on with me? Eddie Ernie... Ernest Ernie Hudson. Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ernest Hudson. Ernest Hudson. <laughs> I use his full name. Like when you try to send someone to the room and you're like, you're his mom. Ernest Hudson, yeah. go to your room. Yeah. And Bill Murray. They got yeah. Bill Murray to come back. Yeah. So the four of them are in the game and the plot is written by the original creators mm -hmm. and what they did was awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. I watched Will play it like I was just watching a movie or a show or something. Ghostbusters the video game from 2009 is Ghostbusters Three. Yeah, it fully is. I don't remember it at all, though. I remember watching it, but I'm excited to hear about it. It's again. been several years mm -hmm. since they fought uh, Gozer. Mm -hmm. It's been something like seven-ish years since they fought Gozer. Yeah. It's been a couple of years since they discovered rivers of slime mm -hmm. under the city. And what they discover next in the game is so good. Yeah. Dana Barrett, Sigourney Weaver, her apartment building was designed by an architect named yeah. Evo Shandor. Yeah. Who, they, they, this part they discover in the first movie. I should yeah. have said it already. Uh, uh, Harold Ramis talks about how the building was designed by Evo Shandor, an architect who was obsessed with Gozer mm -hmm. and basically designed the apartment building to be a gigantic tuning fork for spiritual activity. Right, which is fully awesome. He designed it to draw in ghosts and to work as a gateway specifically for Gozer. After World War I, Evo Shandor decided that humanity was too sick to survive. <laughs> and so he dedicated his life to trying to bring Gozer and its destructor form into the physical world. Yeah. 
Evo Shandor died. However, he was successful, and obviously in the first movie, mm-hmm. here comes Gozer. Right. <laughs> there is Gozer. Oh, also, they describe Evo Shandor uh, as having done a lot of unnecessary surgery. Ooh. Evo, yeah, in the first movie, Harold Ramis goes like, he was an architect and a physician who was nice. known for doing a lot of unnecessary surgery. And he smiles through it because, you know, Ooh. Egon, yeah, yeah, Harold yeah. Ramis's character, is a scientist Yeah, you know, kind of sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like weird and kind of like, yeah, smir- kind of into smirky. It. Yeah. yeah. So in the video game now, the Ghostbusters get called in to, to get Slimer again, whatever. Essentially, the video game is what you might expect, where it's like excuses to do all the stuff that you would want to do if you were playing a Ghostbusters right. game. You got to catch Slimer. You got to go back to the hotel where Slimer right. was. You got to fight the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Which, thank God, kind of. It sucks when I feel like, well, I guess it depends, but like, yeah, give the people what they want. Kind yeah, of. exactly. Yeah. So they definitely do that, but yeah. they found the most creative solution to explain why you're doing this stuff again. Okay. Because it's not like the plot of the first movie. You're just in Ghostbusters 1. Yeah. It's taking place seven years later. Right. So they go, uh, Slimer gets loose. They go and he immediately goes back to the hotel mm-hmm. where he came from. They're yeah. Like, why does he keep coming back here? It's like he's drawn here. Yeah. And that's a big. Oh. Oh. Then as they catch him, they look out the window and Stay Puff Marshmallow Man is walking around Times Square and they're like, what is Gozer doing here? Oh, yes. And they run outside, and now you're running through the streets of New York City, capturing ghosts on your way to fight the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah, yeah. And Dan Aykroyd. As is that his, song playing? As, uh, they play. They, yeah, they play. Ma- yeah. They don't play a lot of the the like you know, like copyright music. Yeah. Or, or you know like the other artist music. But right. They have the score. And everything. Yeah. 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 So Dan Aykroyd, as they're walking around, he's like, "What is Gozer doing here? He shouldn't be back in this realm. That's impossible. We destroyed him in 1994." That's a really good Dan Aykroyd. I've been working my Dan Aykroyd for years. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you've really honed it. And in that game, he says that Gozer. When you choose a destructive form for him, and they were all they were all like, "What's wrong with you?" In 1994, when he picked the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, yeah, they're like, "He's lost his mind. What's going on?" Now in the video game, he's like, "I can't believe it. He's still stuck in his Stay Puft Marshmallow form. I wonder if Gozer's trapped in whatever form you pick for him per dimension. <laughs> I guess the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man wasn't such a bad choice after all." And it's like, that's actually, I really yeah, enjoy that's that awesome. as an explanation. Yeah. If Gozer has a form in your dimension. Right, that's the only form he can take. Stuck in that form. And so now in retrospect, it was a joke in the first movie, right? It's yeah. a gag to have the Ghostbusters fight a big silly thing. Yeah. And, you know, even though it's redundant to do it in the video game, the joke works on another level because he's like, it's actually a good thing right. that this is a giant marshmallow man because we know how to defeat it. Yeah, that's awesome. It's really clever, yeah. I feel. So yeah. then uh, the plot uh, basically goes as follows. I have a big thing about movies. Well, I guess more so when I was younger than now. Mm-hmm. I used to be really in the, into the idea of a perfect trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, a, lot of, a lot of movie trilogies, I notice, uh, the first movie is usually awesome yeah. and really novel and creative. Mm-hmm. Then for the second movie, the creative team seems to want to go in the opposite direction, try mm-hmm. to subvert Surprise everybody, yeah. And that sequel is usually not as uh, highly regarded. Yeah. Indiana Jones 2, Die Hard 2, yeah. Jurassic Park 2, like a bunch of things. Yeah. And yeah, then, you're right. And then for the third movie, if it's the same creative team, they usually go, well... It was a bad idea when we subverted expectations. Let's just give everybody Let's bring what they it on like. home. Yeah, exactly. Indiana Jones three, yeah. Die Hard three. Yeah, they all try to do yeah, what the first movie did, and 
sometimes they're incredibly successful. Yeah. So I scream feel, three, not so much. Yeah, that's definitely true. Well, yeah. there are arguments. That's an outlier. That. It is. But um, uh, so this game, I'm telling you, it holds to that theory so much that yeah. it just reinforces in my head that this video game is uh, a really underrated, yep. often ignored part of the like Ghostbusters world. It absolutely is. I bet a lot of people just don't even know yeah. about the fact that it was like written by and involving all the same people. That is very cool and insane. Yeah. They even wrote the script to right. include Sigourney Weaver and she turned it down because she uh, thought, well, video she's games. She's busy doing Dave. Video too. games, who cares? Dave, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. Dave is a movie where like, I think she's a politician or something. I don't remember. I have no idea. I'm not I just sure pulled a random Sigourney Weaver movie out of my ass. So she turned them down. Yeah. And then years and then she saw how much fun everybody was having. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, I should have done that. Yeah. And immediately signed up to do an alien game where she reprised the role of Ellen Ripley. Really? Yes. Is that cool and good? Uh, I haven't really played it that much. What I saw is pretty cool, though. Yeah. Um, but so Bill Murray was uh, written to be in much more of the game than he ultimately is in because he's Bill Murray. He would show up super late and do like five of his lines and go like, cool, that's lunch. And they'd be like, no, it's not. Can you please finish your lines? He'd be like, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go home. And be like, are you going to come in tomorrow? He's like, yeah, I'll be here tomorrow. And then he'd come up, come home, like come over like two days later and record yeah. like, three more lines. Yeah. So they had to drastically rewrite stuff because Bill Murray just didn't show up on the right day and stuff. He's a weird dude. He is a weird dude. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what the story is from there, Evo Shandor, the architect who designed Sigourney Weaver's building as a mm -hmm. tuning fork for the paranormal and a gateway for Gozer. Yeah. They now explain it's not just that he was obsessed with Gozer. Mm -hmm. He was the head of the 20th century Gozer cult. Yes, yes, yes. He and a lot of other powerful business leaders so good. in Manhattan in yeah. the 1920s. So the person that was the chairman of the Natural History Museum, uh, the person that ran the Sedgwick Hotel, the biggest hotel in the city, mm -hmm. um, they basically each made those buildings a node in a mandala. So it's essentially turning all of Manhattan into one gigantic portal. That's so awesome the spirit world so in 1984 when they fought gozer at the top of 55 central park west at yeah sigourney weaver's apartment that was just one of yeah. the mandala nodes and so now in the video game now that we know this we're going to all the other places right so you fight your way through a museum that that's has, so sweet which by the way has a gozer exhibit now because yeah. people are now like well what was gozer what was that thing that we saw seven years ago right so they're studying like ancient stones from like the from sumeria that's awesome. Whatever. It's so cool. And uh, that was how uh, Gozer came back into our realm because the cult of Gozer is mostly made of dead people. Is it called the cult of Gozer or does it have any like weird name or anything? I don't think so. I think they're just like Gozer worshipers. There was a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. But uh, they're all dead, but that doesn't stop anything. Yeah. You go to Evo Shandor's house where Evo Shandor's followers are still performing rituals. <sighs> As ghosts. That's so good. Yeah. To to power up Gozer. Uh, now, you stop the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. That means you've stopped Gozer a second time. Mm -hmm. Evo Shandor now becomes the big bad guy of the game. Yeah. Essentially, he goes, I've tried to summon Gozer to this realm twice. And both times, Gozer failed me. Maybe Gozer's not that great. Ooh. And now Evo Is Shandor. Is this like the crescendo of the, the game? Crescendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evo Shandor decides uh enough of this 
I am going to be the new uh, destructor. Ooh. And so Evo Shandor, the architect, uh, builds his palace in uh, in Ghost World, like yeah. in another dimension. He's the architect of that realm, so he's able to like shift staircases around you, shift walls around you, cool. and he picks his. He uses the the all the spirits trapped in that mandala to power up as his own destructor. Yeah, he's now going to be the most powerful thing. So what does what does Evo Shandor look like? Uh, he looks like well, this is actually great for like even talking about the original concept for the movie. Uh-huh. When uh, they were originally writing and planning Ghostbusters one mm-hmm. in 1983 mm-hmm. to come out a year later, uh, they were trying to decide what is it going to look like when Gozer appears. Yeah. Ultimately, what we got was a, a, a almost like a bodybuilder lady with a flat top. Yeah, she had like a uh, Grace Jones, like Annie Lennox vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but that was what they landed on. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they were like, no, let's go more androgynous. They mm-hmm. almost wanted like a David Bowie yeah. kind of vibe. Uh, but what they originally were planning to do was that Gozer was going to enter our realm in the form of Evo Shandor. Uh-huh. And it was going to be Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Oh, my God. As just a sort of nondescript, polite uh, person wearing a suit. Ooh, I would have been into that. Yeah. That and, sounds great. Would have been like, are you a god? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just nondescript, just like a regular guy, but he has all these powers. Yeah. Do your peewee. The word of the day is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Gozer, conky, conky moving. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. That was really cool. That's it. Uh, but yeah, so he's supposed to just look like some guy yeah in the video game they gave him more of like an anton levey like pointed beard yeah and stuff. yeah um, also sweet yeah that sounds great sweet. does he dress like kind of a dandy uh kind of i mean he's wearing like I a black picturing suit it. Yeah. okay yeah but when you eventually when you face off against him uh he first of all he's been possessing the mayor jock yeah. cranley oh my god for it, the whole game. jock and not Jacques. jock Played by Brian Doyle Murray. Jock Cranley. Bill Murray's brother. Nice, yeah. nice. I bet he was a little bit more available than Bill. Probably. Yeah. Is um is that like the guy who's in Wayne's World and everything? Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Um, and so when you first face off against him, he's holding Gozer's skull. Uh-huh. Ooh. And so you have it's uh-huh. like a human-looking skull with black hair and a flat top to mimic okay. the actress that played the human form of Gozer in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he eventually just tosses it to the ground. Oh, ooh. So Gozer's A real story, departure from somebody who was worshiping Gozer. I know, which makes him only, you know, yes. all the more dangerous. Yes, all, all the more erratic. You which really I don't also, know what this guy's going to do. You at least think that you understand his deal. This guy's obsessed with Gozer. Yeah. And then if he's like, screw Gozer, then you're like, Oh, what's going on? Yeah. But I also like that they like took back the guy that they mentioned in the first movie and made him the ultimate villain. Yeah. You no, know, that's like, so that's sweet. That's really cool. And the rivers of slime from Ghostbusters 2 that nobody liked, Yeah, they now explain that that's flowing under the city because Evo Shandor and the other powerful businessmen uh-huh. men, uh, realized that it had like psychic properties. Yeah. And so they were responsible for funneling it under New York City to try to like breed contempt and mistrust yeah. in the people of the city. I love that. I so remember it's all this. built in. Yeah. Everything in Ghostbusters one, two in the video game. Yeah, it was like was because it of has Evo a cause. Shandor and his worshippers. Yeah. That's 
awesome. Isn't that great? Yeah, I love it. And they eventually defeat him again, of course, by crossing the streams of, of the Proton Pack. Of course, it's probably really satisfying. It's super satisfying. Yeah. The game is so fun. Yeah. It is so good. It's so much better than it has any right to be. Uh-huh. I highly advise everybody track it down. I'm like a super dork. I yeah. originally had it on Xbox. Then I got rid of my Xbox, so I bought it on uh, PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Then I found out there's a, a version of it for the Nintendo Wii that doesn't yeah. have the realistic graphics. It has kind of cartoony graphics yeah. and a few differences. So I bought that. Yeah. I bought it on my PC. I bought it for my Nintendo DS. Yeah. I love this game. You it gotta is have so it. well done. Yeah. And I and like one way or another, even if you're not a gamer, I feel like you really have to respect the fact that the creators came together and really tried to make something that one would give gamers the feeling of getting to do some of the more famous things from Ghostbusters. Yeah, like you are a Ghostbuster. But at the same time, advancing the story and tying it all together with like a big bow. Like mm-hmm. I'm really impressed. Yeah. More so by the writing than anything else, that it ties it all together. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I bet, like, I don't know, but I bet if you went on YouTube, there's probably like a super cut of like cut scenes and things like oh, that. Absolutely. That happens like all the time. So you could probably even look that up and then just like watch it as a story without playing the game. I guarantee- That sounds so awesome. I'm going to do that now because I know yeah. I watched that watched you play but i don't remember it i watched you play that and batman arkham asylum okay yeah, yeah. that game is also really good yeah yeah um yeah but i guarantee if you look up um uh ghostbusters the video game the movie mm-hmm. i guarantee you can find it throw in hd as well that'll probably help um but yeah you can absolutely watch that and treat it like it's the third movie yeah. in a franchise that never got to finish yeah it feels like a conclusion yeah at the end of it they even set up they go like you know, uh, you're playing as a you're not playing as one of the four Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. You're playing as a rookie, mm-hmm. and the rookie doesn't talk. So right. there's not some new character that's in yeah, the yeah that you have to like get used to. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the move, uh, at the end of the game, during the credits, they're like, you know what, you did a pretty good job, rookie. How would you like to start your own franchise? What do you want to start it in like Chicago, L.A.? What do you want to do? And I always thought that was. Dan Aykroyd, who, you know, is uh-huh. also a businessman. Yes, he's setting up for future projects. Yes. yes. And I always thought that that meant that they were working on Ghostbusters 3, and it would mm-hmm. take place in a different city, mm-hmm. which would give it its own identity and explain why it's different people. Right. But we'd all know that it was all tied together. But no. Right. Instead, we got the reboot, mm-hmm. 2016, Ghostbusters, um, which uh, was like the subject of way too much controversy. Yeah, like it was... I got. I liked it, but I can see not liking it. Certainly, but not enough to warrant so much talk about it. Like there are movies that are like blah all the time, and remakes were continuations of other franchises and series. Like we don't freak out yes. to the degree that people are freaking out about Ghostbusters. I completely agree with you. Also, I did not like the movie. Yeah, none of you guys did. When it ended, I was like. I was so uh, within the first ten minutes, I was like, "Awesome! This is this is gonna be fun." The beginning is totally. Sweet. There's like a guy yeah. walking around a house and he's talking about the history of it. And he's like, "This is where P.T. Barnum got the idea to enslave elephants." Yeah, and I was like, "That's a weird. Th- that's that's fun." Like I found that funny. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be cool." And yeah. it had sort of like a spooky vibe. I thought it was gonna be great. And yeah. then everyone's like farting and talking about Chinese food for the next two hours. Well, yeah. Um, not not a perfect movie, let's say. It has some of the worst improv I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Uh, I I remember loving the fight scene, like the big scene where they're all like battling it out. Yeah. But when I think about certain things in the movie, I'm like, oh, that sucked. But I guess that fight scene did a lot of heavy lifting for me. There's a scene in the movie, in during that fight scene, because I'll agree with you. There's yeah. a scene where uh, Kate McKinnon, uh-huh. who is amazing, yeah, who she's I, great. I yeah. really really like. 
she has the best part ever where she is fighting the ghosts and it doesn't make sense. They kill the ghosts. Uh-huh. They don't capture the ghosts. Yeah. You notice that? Yes. Very weird. Yeah. They just I... shoot the ghosts until they stop. They're right. ghosts. Right. I guess they like vaporize. I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, she has a moment where like the music is like building to a crescendo. Yeah. And she does like, it's just, it's beautiful. It's amazing. And yeah, it's, it's super exciting. cool. But the worst moment also comes in that scene uh-huh. where they just shoot um, Melissa McCarthy the camera's way up high looking down at her. And it's clear that they just, like, they went, all right, improvise. You're taunting the ghosts. Uh-huh. And she's like, what should I look at? Is there anything to look at? And they're like, no, just put whatever, you, wherever you look, we'll put a ghost. Yeah. And they never did. Yeah. So it's just her in the frame. And she's going, that's right. I'll get you, you, and I especially don't like you. And they never cut to show what she's looking at or talking to. And it just, it's miserable. It's one of the worst shots I've ever have seen. Have you in the movie. seen it besides when we saw it in the movie theater? Of course I have. Okay, just making sure. I was like, how do you remember that? Yeah. It could be the worst movie I've ever seen. I could hate yeah. it with with like every fiber of my being, and I still would have seen it yeah. ten times. Yeah. I love Ghostbusters. I know. I want more. I want them to do a sequel to Me that movie. Me too. Is that still in talks? Yeah. Not really. Remember it like got fired up again more recently than you would think the talk of a sequel or kind of like another reboot? They they really should make a sequel to that movie. Yeah. Um there is no better time to do it than when you realize what things to avoid. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like that sounds like a backhanded sort of slam or whatever. But it's like they made a movie that that a lot of people really panned and very specifically said what they didn't like about it. Yeah. You can fix all that stuff then. Make a sequel. It will be better. I guess that people don't want to give them money to do that, though. Like, I know. I'm not. I mean, I'm not surprised there isn't a sequel. Like, what studio is going to throw a shit ton of money? Oop. Well, uh, the pro- throw yeah. a ton of money yeah. at something that like everybody's talking about how much they hated. I know, but at the same time, it's like that movie had too big a budget. I think that they tried mm-hmm. to do too many like set piece crazy things. Like mm-hmm. it should have just been more of like kind of walking around the street and and, yeah. and having banter. Yeah, I feel. I'm trying to remember what set piece crazy things were there besides the fight in time Times Square, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. but that was huge. They had a dance scene. Oh my god, <laughs> Kristen, that movie's bad. And I love the Ghostbusters. There's stuff I like about it, but it's also really bad. I'm sure. I I remember I was bopping in my seat when it ended. Yeah. Uh, there's something amazing. <laughs> and that scream really made me there's laugh. There's such a good opportunity in that movie that mm-hmm. like got squandered real bad. where And nobody even knows that it happened. So the movie ignores the original two sequels, which more than anything I think was the problem. Yeah. I think that people would have been fine. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. yeah. I think everybody would have been I, – I think people would have been able to get on board more easily mm-hmm. with the all-female Ghostbusters, which mm-hmm. was also just like a bad way to market it as if – I know. As if it was leaving well, everyone did, I mean, I seriously don't remember. Maybe they did. Did they market it as the all-female Ghostbusters or are people just – referring to it that way because it's all female and so that's like weird no i think it was a little column a a little yeah. column b like nobody freaked out about like all female oceans eight like i feel True. like this was supposed to be like real aggressively like yeah. this is not the thing you thought it was yeah maybe and it's like but those that are the rings people a bell. that really 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 want to see it yeah so i feel like it's not even so much about being female it's more about the messaging just being like this isn't we're deliberately doing everything we can to have it not be the thing that you yeah that rings like. a bell now that it that, was like very was yeah um but like so they ignore th- – there is no connective tissue with the first two movies. Mm-hmm. It completely ignores them. Yeah. But in the, in the fight in Times Square, I read parts of the script. Uh-huh. They describe going to Times Square for the end of the movie yeah. as – tell me if this makes any sense to you mm-hmm. at all. Tell, like, like really try to think about whether or not you knew this. Okay. Times Square 2016, yeah. when they go there, turns into Times Square 1983. What? It does. 
Do you, does that ring a bell? No, not at all. It happens in the movie. It is written in the script. Do they reference it in speaking or just in the script? It's like stage no. direction. It yeah. happens over the course of about, of about like maybe 15 seconds. There's like a dissolve and the current day billboards turn into old billboards. Do they spend on your rewatch? Do they spend a lot of time? on Like, is that clear? No. That's so weird. But they did it. They spent the time What's the to point? make the effect. Yeah. I thought for sure that was almost like, a, you know, a tear in the... In right. The, that's what it would sound like, but that obviously doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. No. What they really should have done... That's... And I, I almost think that, like, once they were like, oh, no, it's being poorly received in theaters, uh-huh. they should have just added this for the DVD. They should have just added the voice of Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, it would have gone nuts. Off camera, going like, yeah. Egon, look over there. And then it turns back into 2016 or something. That, just something. William, you literally saying that just gave me a minor chill. Yeah. That would, if they, if they kept that secret and then I was watching that movie and then that happened, I would have lost my mind. Yeah. They needed something. Yeah. They needed something. The yeah. comic book writers kind of fixed it in a really cool way. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm spending so long tell. on this, but I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to try to wrap I'm way up. into it. So, um, so what's... Go ahead. Well, I do want to say that in yeah. Ghostbusters 2016, the entire time, they're just fighting some guy, which yeah. I actually really like. Yeah. Um, but I really don't remember. This is kind of making me want to watch it again. I'll rewatch it. Okay. Yeah. Um, at the end of the movie, after the credits... They're hanging out in the in the Ghostbusters mm-hmm. firehouse, eating wonton soup with not enough wontons in it. Yeah. If I remember correctly, no, that time I think she has too many wontons. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> How is there any such thing? I'm pretty sure there are too many wontons in that soup at the end of that movie. Tell me <laughs> I if really I'm wrong. I don't remember. I mean, that know? sounds right. Oh, insane! I, what a great joke. Yeah, that's so. All right. Anyway. Anyway, uh, Leslie Jones. The best Ghostbuster. Yeah, let's see Jones in the new Ghostbusters. Hilarious. She's the most. She feels like yeah. The, she's got the right vibe. Yeah. From the Ghostbusters. Yeah. She's like one of the only ones that nailed the mm-hmm. tone. She's listening to like almost like an EVP on a tape, and she uh-huh. takes her headphones off. She goes, "What's Zool?" Uh huh. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is supposed to be a tag for a sequel where I right, guess uh, yeah. Zool and Vince Glortho are going to come and yeah. open the gateway to bring Gozer into that reality yeah right that never happened so that's the only mention of gozer in that movie although the bad guy does have a sort of destructor form but that's kind of weird yeah Yeah. is that the um after credit scene that that happens in or no okay yeah yes yeah so Mm -hmm. all right all of that so that i can sort of explain what people have done with gozer okay um some of it's really cool some of it's really not i think i'm actually just going to straight up prune some right now because i'm going like way too long on this? I don't know. Okay. I think you're fine. Okay. Uh, let me read you a stupid thing real quick, okay. actually. Uh, well, I think this one's kind of cool, but it's also weird. This is okay. in the comic books now, which I never read. Yeah. Uh, I downloaded a few. I wanted to get into them. It's yeah. hard. It's hard because they're trying to do the, the comedy and they're, they're writing for Bill Murray, and you're like, that doesn't sound like that Bill seems, Murray. I feel like it's hard to read read comedy uh, yes. sometimes. I don't blame the writers at like all. Like fictional it's just, comedy. It's just I find yeah, it yeah, very yeah. hard to get into. Yeah. So... I when reading about Gozer appearing mm. in the comics, there's yeah. this entire paragraph. Okay. Okay. While performing a job for Woodrow Wainwright Fraser the Third. That's a lot of name. The Ghostbusters went up against two thirds of the ghosts of Christmas. The ghost of Christmas future took Peter and Egon to a possible apocalyptic future where Gozer returned in a different destructor form on Christmas, that of a giant talking worm with tentacles. Peter and Egon also experienced rapid aging and were approximately in their 60s. 
when I read that, I was like, that would have been a really smart way to do Ghostbusters 3. Yeah, yeah. With the original cast in like 2010 or something like that. Just like, you know, shoot a scene of the the firehouse, whatever, them bantering. There's a zap. And then they're just sitting in the firehouse and they're like, and the firehouse should be dilapidated. Yeah. Like it should have the windows boarded up. And now they're just sitting at the same table in a room full of dust. And they're like, what just happened? What the? Oh my God, your face. Yeah. So it should have been be that awesome. for them, nothing skipped a beat, but suddenly it's been 20 years since the Ghostbusters have been seen. Yeah. And now they're in their 60s. Yeah. And they have to figure out what the hell just happened to them. I'd be real down. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Anyway, uh, the duo was without hope as crossing the streams wouldn't be powerful without having the entire team. Then Go- Egon was seemingly killed when Gozer crushed him. Harold Ramis is dead. I think it's weird to kill Egon. Yes. I don't know if this was written recently, though, so I'll give them some. I, I don't love this. Yeah. However, everyone was returned to the present when Peter wrangled the ghost of Christmas present. I basically read this because I think it's kind of hilarious that they're trying to, like, find famous ghosts to fight. So yeah. they picked the Christmas, the Dickens Christmas Carol ghosts. I don't like it. Why do you have it's to kill weird. them? Yeah. But at the same rate, I do think it's kind of cool to make evil versions of that where like the ghost of Christmas future can like rapidly age you. Like you can warp that in a kind of cool way. I think. I don't know. I kind of like that. There aren't any um, ghosts in ghostbusters that are like familiar touchstones of things that you already know about. They created their, yeah, I kind of want it to all be in that universe. Someday, someday somebody's going to publish Dan Aykroyd's like personal journal and it's going to be the trippiest in nerdiest thing. Yeah. I'm going to love it. Yeah, totally. Remember that, uh, that special with him talking about UFOs and just like smoking cigarettes in a trailer. Yeah. Remember when he was on Larry King and Larry King cut him off so he would shut up. He started <laughs> yep. saying he started saying some pretty not great. Well, he was tying he was tying real life tragedy into yeah. why aliens wouldn't want to visit us anymore. And Larry King was like, oh, that's great. We got to go to Peter in San Diego. Right. Like just trying not to do say anything. some like crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a whole arc in the comic books about Gozer trying to talk to somebody on the physical plane uh-huh. to abduct. Dan Aykroyd's character uh-huh. so they could do a ritual so that Gozer can get a new destructor form. Sweet. That's Which I, sweet. I love that. Yeah. Rituals as like red yeah. tape. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. But you can't get a new destructor form unless you have the person that set your destructor form in the right. first place. I like that. I like that a lot, yeah. actually. Gozer yeah. is like, well, the marshmallow isn't good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. This I thought was rad. This is how the writers, I thought, uh, fixed the issue of Ghostbusters 2016 uh-huh. with the Ghostbusters, the original team. Cool. Uh, in a, a story arc, the Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters, theorized that when they crossed the streams mm-hmm. in 1984, it basically caused almost sort of a tear in the multiverse. Uh-huh. It seeded the idea of the Ghostbusters in every version of reality. Okay. And so there are infinite versions of yeah. Ghostbusters out there yeah. fighting in different versions of New York. Yeah, that's cool. Including I like that. 2016 yeah. with like Patty Tolan yeah. and... Uh, Dr. Leslie Jones. I Those are the same person. It's yeah. the same character. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's how all the Ghostbusters meet. They then are able to travel through different realms. Yeah. So Egon and uh, Bill Murray yeah. can meet Kate McKinnon. That sounds great to me. In that world. And they, I guess, did almost a sequel to the 2016 movie mm-hmm. by having Leslie Jones's character go like, I heard the word Zool yeah. on a tape. Does that mean, if you fought him before, does that mean that we're destined to fight him soon in our world? Oh, this is cool. And together, the Ghostbusters theorize about Gozer and think that 
because Gozer is a traveler uh-huh. and travels to different worlds, ah. maybe there are infinite multiverses, but Gozer is a singular being. Yeah, that just travels, travels between, between them. all of them. Cool. How cool is yeah, that? Yeah, I'm into that. I love that. I like that a lot. I also like that they always like, they worried about crossing the streams. That was like a scary thing. And that kind of like pays it off like yeah, yeah you kind of should have been like something did happen when you cross the streams you had to do it but like there's a cost for what you had yes. to do yes yeah. exactly it yeah. ties everything back together yeah i really i really enjoy that idea a that's whole sweet lot. especially that like people across multiple realities are going to yeah. have to figure out how to defeat this thing that is somehow singular right there are not multiple versions right Gozer is one thing right you can just bounce to another reality yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah. all right here's the craziest thing there was a comic book two years ago that came out called Ghostbusters Deviations. It was basically a what-if story. A what-if story about what if Gozer won. Okay. All right. Uh, good God. All right. Uh, what happens then? He coats the city in marshmallows. He expels, okay. quote, sentient poop dubbed mini puffs. Oh, my God. But Gozer was not pleased with being bound to the form of a stay puffed. It was disturbed by the sound of its voice and having its expression stuck in a smile and being adorable. <laughs> well, fair enough. It it's found Gozer a- not liking that. Although you might like that because then you're kind of like hiding in plain sight. True. It found the only thing as tall as it were trees and buildings, and it was very lonely. It was a nightmare. The Stay Puff form was bound to the dimension, and Gozer was bound to the Stay Puff form. It wanted to go back to its home dimension to liberate itself from its form, but it could not do so by itself. Stay Puffed walked to the firehouse and peeked through a hole in the ceiling at the Ghostbusters, greeting them with, Hey guys, what's up? That's what Gozer said in this comment. Okay. The Ghostbusters respond by shooting him. He spits on them. Seven and a half minutes later, I don't know how that happens in a comic. What? The Ghostbusters finished processing what Gozer wanted. They agreed to help, but refused to cross the streams. Wait, why are they helping him? I don't know. Uh, so here's the thing. They agree to basically go back in time uh-huh. to choose, choose a different form. A different form? form to help him out? Yeah. What? Why? There must be, How do they even explain that in the book? Well, get ready for some of the worst comedy I've ever read. Okay. Which is apparently actually in the book. I looked it up. Okay. Uh, they threaten that if he tries to double cross him, the form they'll pick for him is Lufa Joe rectangle shorts. Yikes. Oof. Lufa Oof. Joe. Oofa Joe. Rectangle That's shorts. Very funny. Stay Puffed was horrified at the prospect. Horrified. Horrified. But agree, argued this conversation wouldn't happen once it went back in time. Uh, <clears throat> so they go back in time. Gozer is now on the top of uh, Sigourney Weaver's apartment building fighting the Ghostbusters and asks them to choose the form. Uh, and is about to, you know, go like, you know what? I could kill them. I yeah. could just kill them. Yeah. But the Ghostbusters went back in time even further, and they hung pictures of Lufa Joe rectangle shorts all over the apartment building, and Gozer looked at them and got terrified. Wait, what? Yeah. Well, I don't even understand. Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, they they put posters of Lufa Joe all around the, the, the temple at the top of the building, and, and Gozer remembered like, Okay, well, you got me. I don't want to be Lufa Joe rectangle shorts. So it went back through its portal and disappeared from our realm. What? Possibly. That is terrible. I feel like if you were reading that comic book, you'd be like mad at the end of that. Quite possibly one of the worst things I've ever read. That's terrible. Lufa Joe. Yeah. Rectangle shorts. No, I got it. SpongeBob SquarePants joke for anybody listening who it didn't click for. Yeah. That's 
terrible. All right, and to wrap it up. What a terrible way to end Gozer's legacy. To wrap it up. William, I, I bring promise, me up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say some awesome stuff. It's really yeah. short, and I'll be done. Take I me swear, higher. I swear. No, I'm fine. Okay. In an early draft, Gozer was noted as the absolute ruler of the sixth dimension. The word Gozer comes from a Chevrolet dealership in Uptown, New York. Sweet. Uh, Gozer is also another word for a moyle. Oh. Snip, snip. I have in my notes here. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Uh, I also should point out that Gozer was worshipped by the Hittites and Mesopotamians uh, in 6000 BC. It was a cult that lasted thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should, uh, it would, it's really important, I would be a fool to not point this out. Uh, Gozer uh, appeared during the rectification of the Valdrani. Mm. The Traveler came as a large moving tour. Mm. Then during the third reconciliation of the last of the Mechatrex supplicants, they chose a new form of him, that of a giant slore. Oh, of course. Many shoves and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of a slore that day, I can tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, the Enfield haunting. Yeah. Which evidently is one of the inspirations for Poltergeist. We Uh talked about the Enfield haunting. Uh, A little bit. One of the most famous uh, poltergeists in all of uh, the UK. Yeah. The word gozer was written over and over and over again on the walls. Oh, that kind of rings a bell. That's crazy. I did not know that. And that is so cool. That's nuts. That is where gozer comes from. The word gozer. I feel like I remember hearing it and being very confused. Like, what? How? What? Yeah. That's awesome. The Enfield haunting. The Enfield yeah. poltergeist yeah. wrote Gozer on the wall. And Dan Aykroyd saw it. Oh, boy. In a dream. I don't know that poltergeist dream. Joe or yeah. whatever. But there you go. That is the, the full and way longer than I anticipated story of... Whatever. Gozer. Whatever. Gozer the Gozer. I'd be happy for you to Gozer on longer. Gozer the destructor of Volgasil Johar. Gozer the traveler and lord of the Sibulia. Of course, of course. Sibyl yeah, sounds like a delicious soup or I just something. I love those words. I love, I love hearing it in yeah. my head as Dan Aykroyd. Yes. You know, he has a cameo in that 2016 movie as a cab driver, and he goes, yeah, I just saw you know, a, a phase four Roman uh, you know, Vectar down the street, and he's not supposed to be playing race dance. So you're like, why does that cab driver know about this thing? And then you start going like, why couldn't they just play the characters we liked? Right. What? What's happening? This is all unraveling. <laughs> yeah, something's wrong. I feel I wrong. Don't feel, I don't feel good. I don't feel so good. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I, I do also want to say that what they should do, because they formed Ghost Corps at uh-huh. Sony, which is headed by Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two movies. Yeah. It's exclusively a department just to make new Ghostbusters movies. Yeah. And it hasn't been doing anything since 2016. Yeah, right. I've heard that they're working on an animated movie. I was very disappointed to find out that it's a Slimer movie. Oh, right. Right, right, right. So that's coming our way. Yes, what they yeah. should have done is take all the audio uh-huh. from the Ghostbusters video game yeah. and animate it to make Hell Ghostbusters yeah. 3 with the original cast. Yeah. Uh, get Bill Murray to record some more of the lines that he refused to yeah, record. Yeah, he's not too busy crashing a 25-year-old's party or whatever. And have Sigourney Weaver, who didn't want to do it in the first place, give her the opportunity to come back yeah. and fix that part. Because she ended up, she did want to do it in she the end. She did want to do it in the end. You can make Ghostbusters 3. You can still make it right. It, Sony, there's, there's still time. Ivan Reitman, that's what you should do. That is what you should do. And you should then re-release Ghostbusters the video game in HD so that I can play it again <laughs> anew. And I can watch him play it oh, again. So anyway. Okay. Well, William, I'm glad that you brought Sigourney Weaver back up. 
I'm going to read you guys the plot of the movie Dave that I referenced earlier <laughs> and that I looked up briefly and didn't say anything because it actually kind of plays into my subject tonight. Are you kidding me? No, I am not. Shut up. Okay. Shifty White House Chief of Staff Bob, Alex- Bob Alexander, Franklin Langella, hatches a scheme to use a double for the president, Kevin Klein, at a public photo opportunity. Small business over- owner Dave uh, Kovic Klein fits the bill, but after the president suffers a debilitating stroke, opportunist Alexander arranges for Dave to step in full time without even for- informing the first lady, Sigourney Weaver. It doesn't take long before the press, the nation, and the president's wife realize... Something is different. This is an entirely different man. Okay. Okay. That's bizarre. You know who there are also rumors about somebody stepping in and replacing William? No way. One Paul M.F. and McCartney, whose, whose birthday was yesterday, or was it? Oh, my God, Christy. William, Paul is dead. I am so excited. This is a good one. I'm so excited. This is a good one. I think we referenced this in like one of the first episodes because I thought it was what your subject was for some reason. Really? Yeah. I remember you were going to do something and I was like, is it Paul's dead? There are a lot of people that didn't want to hear about Gozer who have been fast forwarding, (laughs) waiting until we're talking about something real. I don't know. I... Gozer's totally sweet. I'm telling you. Whatever. It's a good thing we named both topics in the in the title in the of the sh- show, because I feel like people are going to be like, I don't want to hear about something that Dan Aykroyd wrote. I don't know. I think you might be surprised. I was, But I'm thrilled to hear about I was about captivated this. by that. Um, so what do you know about the whole Paul is Dead thing? Not much. I yeah. know that there's some song where they think if you play it backwards, you hear Paul is Dead. Uh-huh. I know the Abbey Road cover. Yep but I'll leave that to you. Uh-huh. And I know there's a, some sort of secret message in Sgt. Pepper's yes. cover. Yep. But other than that, I know that a bunch of people put up two pictures of Paul McCartney and circle parts of his face and yes. claim that they don't look the same. <laughs> that are the same. <laughs> Just a person's face aging. They'll put up two pictures of Paul McCartney and circle both noses as if they're different and they aren't. It is so ridiculous, awesome. this thing. It's so crazy. Um, so I asked mom earlier today what she remembered of the whole Paula's dead thing because my mom was like, you know, around into the Beatles and stuff at that point because the rumor started in 1969. Okay. And she said that she heard it and everything and it was like in newspaper, like they didn't take it seriously, but like in newspapers and tabloids and everything, but just like nobody really believed it, at least in her world. Okay, but fair I- enough. Obviously Obviously, there's some people who believe oh, yeah. it. Mom told me you had monster strength today. Wait, what? Oh, hell yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. we were talking on the phone. And she said that you moved uh, a bench. Yeah. Dragged it out to the garbage yourself. Yeah, she crushed said, it. She goes, it was like she had monster strength. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I should have been the mini monster madness this week. Yeah, mega monster. Kristen picked up a bench and threw it away <laughs> for our mom. It and- was spinning on her finger like a <laughs> basketball. Yeah. She walked down the street. I felt like Wonder Woman. Mom was so amazed. Huh. It wasn't that heavy. Yeah. <laughs> but it made me feel on top of the world. That's because sweet. she was like, I can't believe you did that. I started to be like, me neither. <laughs> um, okay. So the rumor started up in 1969, kind of weirdly. I don't know if it was because people just started to like notice weirdnesses in records and stuff like that and sort of formulate it. Yeah. So um, the way that it ended up taking off was that um, colleges and underground papers started printing these stories claiming that Paul McCartney was dead. And I'll explain to you what the their theory is and everything in a minute. Um, but one of the most popular um, theories and reasons for 
you know, as evidence of him being dead was that if you play the song Revolution Number no. Nine, which is on their White Album backwards, it kind of sounds like John Lennon says, "Turn me on, dead man." Oh, that's what it is, right? There are a few. Okay, that's not the only one. Um, like it does sound like that, but, but what like, does that mean? Yeah, like what? Turn me on, dead Turn man. Turn me on, dead man. Can like, we find like that? Paul? Yeah, yeah. Like Paul is dead, and like I buried Paul, which I'll get to. Like those at least make se- like what the hell does "turn me on, dead man" mean? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that could possibly mean. Right, unless that was like an inside joke between them. I guess that's you could argue that you're like, well, maybe it was an inside j- whatever. Yeah. Um. So it seems to have blown up nationally and everything, or I guess worldwide because the Beatles were so huge. Um, when a college student called into a radio show to discuss the Paul is dead theory and the radio host was just like, what? No, whatever. And the college student was like, no, play revolution number nine backwards. Just play it. So then the DJ played it or the you know radio host played it backwards and was like, huh? Huh. Okay. Interesting. And then the like boards were like lighting up for this radio station with people calling to talk about it and everything. And just kind of grew from That's there. That's awesome. I know. That must have been so exciting. Oh, totally. That you're like, oh my God, I just found something. Yeah. And then like so fun and exciting to like look for these clues and decode and everything. Um, so what the rumor is, what the theory is about how Paul died and everything was that in um, the morning in 1966, his car skidded off an icy road and crashed into a pole. Now the thing is that is true. There was a car crash with his car, but he wasn't driving the car at the time and the person wasn't killed. So I almost wonder, I didn't find anything that said this or anything. If like somehow some Beatles fan came across maybe a police report for a crash or something like that. And they're like, Oh, this was Paul McCartney's car. It like crashed headfirst into a pole. How could somebody survive something like that? Well, maybe they didn't. Like, how did this? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's 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 weird. I mean, just because it's his car doesn't mean he's in it, right? Right. But I guess their theory is he definitely was. Yeah. Yes. It's so. This was his car, right? Who? Nobody else could be possibly driving somebody else's car. So possible. So the theory is that the remaining Beatles were afraid of how it would impact them because they really would have to worry about taking a hit popularity-wise if Paul died, but whatever. Right. Was worried about how it would affect them PR-wise. So they decided to replace him with a perfect look-alike, sound-alike, everything-alike named Billy Shears. Right, because... Yes. Of in, course. Um, right before a little help from my friends in Sgt. Pepper's, there's like a thing where it's like, Billy Shears. And yeah. then Ringo sings. Yes, and then Ringo sings. Oh, so, of course, it means Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. They there had Ringo is. sing because Paul Billy was dead. Shears. And like they needed someone to sing that song. And they were like, well, nobody could do justice. We'll just have Ringo do it, I guess. Yeah. There's no point in even having John or somebody. It's just like... Um, <laughs> So um, some of these theories, I have no idea where they got this information, like uh, say that Shears was an orphan who at one point had won a Paul lookalike contest. Other people say that it was somebody from MI5, which is like the British CIA, basically, that they came in to like take care of this and keep like, you know, public spirits up. We'll find you a perfect Paul. Okay. Yeah. Um, But. The remaining three members started to feel guilty about this cover-up, and they started wanting to leave little clues for people to see, to kind of alleviate their guilt and be able to tell people and, and unburden themselves without fully telling it. So the government allowed them to say the guy's real name in a song? Yeah. 
All right. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, no, if it was the government, that was probably a guy's fake name or something. It was MI5. Well, but I'm saying they're like Billy separate Shears. things. Like it, it's either Billy Shears or an MI5 person. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, the, oh, Billy oh. Shears is not the MI5 person. Okay. Yeah. So they were trying to cover it up. Mm-hmm. So then, all right. Hold on. <laughs> sure. They're sure. trying to cover it up themselves. Uh huh. So they say Billy Shears is here. Right. Correct. Because they are feeling guilty and they want to start leaving breadcrumbs for people to figure this out on their own without them actually giving up the ghost. So if they to were speak, feeling guilty, couldn't they have just given up the ghost and, yeah. and like been like, "Our friend is dead." Yeah, we've been. But I mean, I guess you could. If we're living in this dream world scenario, if they did this in the first place so that there wouldn't be like a PR problem, they could keep going. It is much worse to announce that you've been faking Paul being alive than Paul dying in the first place. So if you're thinking about like PR issues, I think that you would just keep going. I guess. No such thing as bad press, though, right? I guess. But that's really weird. Yeah, I know. That's my point. And, like, their albums would sell... <laughs> Like even hotter hotcakes. Their albums <laughs> did sell. I mean, they were obviously fine anyway. But their albums, there was like a big uptake and uptick in sales in 1969 which when is, this started being a thing. Which is also interesting because that's when the Beatles ended. Mm-hmm. Beatles ran were like from 61 to 69. Something yeah, like that. Like, is that right? I can't remember. Is it 69? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. like they were only together for nine years either way. Right. Uh, I, for some how, reason, I think it's early 70s, but I might be wrong. How Maybe long it was 69 together. Um, Cause yeah, I'm uh, 62 70. to 70. Okay. So yeah, they were they were almost gone. It yeah. almost feels like a record company doing that to drum up more sales because the Beatles are going away or something. You yeah, I mean? yeah. I'll, I don't remember the whole story about it. I remember I read a book that Mom had about the Beatles, everything like breakup and everything. I think it was like somewhat sudden, like not like insanely sudden. But I don't think they they were like telling the record company like no. this thing's going yeah, south. I'm like they sure were they just kind of yeah. like they were kind of over it basically. Um, okay, so this is where people say the clues started, where Paul, I mean, uh, John, Ringo, and jo- it's actually hard not to say John, Paul, George, Ringo. Yeah. John, George, and Ringo started to be like, you know what, we have to get this off our chest. I can't, can't take the weight of this anymore. So it started with Sgt. Pepper's, um, which came out a year after he died. So the theory is, and there's actually a lot to this theory. I'm kind of, I kind of picked the ones I think are uh, the most interesting that the cover isn't like a gathering, like a party or a parade or something. It's a funeral for Paul. So like in front of where they are and they're like band leader, get up and everything. There's like, there's like open dirt kind of, but there's also flowers in it. It's just that it's not like a perfect field. Um, and that Paul's sleeve has a patch on it that if you very much zoom in, the patch says OPD, which people think stood for officially pronounced dead. What? However, it was actually an Ontario police patch. It was the Ontario provincial police patch. <laughs> I mean, I mean, all right. I mean, then, then in the liner notes where the lyrics are and everything, when you like open up the book, wait, Paul McCartney, PM, pretty muerte. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. That means exactly as much as what you just read. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's the same. Exactly yeah. as meaningful. Yes. Yeah. Um. So then the other thing with the um, yeah with Sergeant Pepper's is that in the liner notes with the lyrics and everything, first of all, everybody is facing you, like you're you're seeing everybody head on, except Paul is turned around. You're only seeing his back, which um is fun and weird. That is cool. Um. And George Harrison's finger, he's like standing funny, his fingers like pointing up or something. It's pointing at the lyric Wednesday morning at five o'clock, which people say is when Paul died. 
So George is like, yeah. Oh, but I love that. It's so good, all this stuff. Um, I I mentioned it already, but then later that year, they put out Magical Mystery Tour. 67 was like a, a really, like... Full throttle year for the Beatles. It all was. They only existed <laughs> yeah, for nine years, and they did all of that. But still, in one year, Sgt. Pepper's and Magical Mystery Tour? Yeah. Those are both such huge undertakings. They both have, like, movies attached to yeah, them. Yeah, they went from Ed Sullivan... It's insane. ...like, saying about wanting to hold your hand to doing all of this, like, you know, trippy, like, music inspired by India. Yeah. Like, they were busy. Yes. That, that's, like, one of the most prolific periods of time. I didn't like, realize ever. specifically 1967 housed both of those, though. That's it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so, yeah, so at the end of Strawberry Fields Forever, um, there's this like weird part at the very end of it where um, it's you can hear like, I buried Paul. I buried Paul. And there's like flutes going on behind it. So people say it's I buried Paul. Yeah. But he's actually saying cranberry sauce. <laughs> Which looks a lot like blood, though, don't you think? Good point. Just being like a weirdo, basically. Um, have you listened to much of um, the Beatles anthology that came out in the 90s where it's like uh, I think so just like studio yeah I was obsessed with it it's um, it's like three different there are three different sets in it it's like really really long but it's like all these just like weird unfinished studio tapes and everything where you can hear them just like joking around and yeah. being weird yeah, yeah. I love it so much yeah. um, but so I bet that was it I bet they were just being weirdos and then they just like used cranberry sauce uh, for the record mm-hmm. uh, this can't be right what it's saying that like seven albums were released in 1964. Um, I mean, could that be introducing right? the Beatles? I mean, maybe at the time, maybe they're like, um, what do you call them? Like LPs, okay, or EPs. I can't remember which one, but like where it's just like a few songs on an album. Maybe, maybe that was like more of a thing back then because they probably wanted to pump out singles because they were so huge. Okay, you yeah, know? maybe. Um, I feel like that might be what the deal is. Um, and then so the White Album came out and the Revolution Number no. 9 thing that I said where um, it, that you, if you play that backwards, you hear Turn Me On, Dead Man. You should listen to these at the end of this. It might take yeah. me a second to get the audio right, so we'll do it at the end. I wasn't but, sure yeah. whether we would be allowed to do that. I guess we would. I mean, it's in YouTube videos. Uh, like I listened. Able, no, you know what? I don't think we can. Because I started like finding them to send to you, and then I was like, I bet you're not allowed to do that. No, there's like a very yeah. stern warning, specifically about Spotify. Everything we publish gets pushed to the same places. Yeah. Spotify in particular is like, if you have one second mm-hmm. of material you don't own, we will delist you. You won't be on the app anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we won't. And then I think I know in general, it's like you can have under 30 seconds of a licensed song, but I guess Spotify doesn't even allow that. Even that's not necessarily true. You're it's it's like really, it's really wacky. Yeah, yeah, really upset. Well, guys, if you Google or put in YouTube these things, you can find the audio for it. I mean, just to illustrate the point, the episode that we did about Kabooter Plop. Oh, that's right. That like that like Swedish show about gnomes. <laughs> the uh, long arm of the law came down on us for that. That episode's not on Spotify because we got a warning. Yes. For it. From from uh, Kabooter Plop HQ. Yeah, it's a children's show about gnomes. Yes. So yeah, I guess we won't be putting Beatles music in here. Yeah, I think I think right. not. Good, good, good point. Yeah, <laughs> sure, I should have remembered that. I should have remembered being Whatever. chastised by Kabooter Plop. <laughs> yeah. All right. Everybody's that gonna didn't have to look make it up enough the, of an own. impact. Yeah. Um, and then okay, so also on the White Album, besides the Revolution Number no. Nine thing, between I'm So Tired and Blackbird, it kind of like goes one into the other. There's a transition. If you play that part backwards, then it's um, John saying, Paul is dead, man. Miss him. Miss him. Wow. It does sound like that. That's cool. But again, like the same way that like turn me on dead man um, is like, okay, what does that mean? If you're going to say Paul is dead, miss him. It's kind of weird that it's like miss him, miss him. That doesn't seem like something that somebody would do. 
I don't understand how backtracking works. Is it is it really a voice speaking forward? Uh yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it's that he was saying something that was in forward motion in that transition. And then when you make it backwards, it sounds like the other thing. So you're hearing it backwards when you play the record straight. Uh, no, I'm saying you hear it straight when you play the record straight. And then you hear it backwards and hear him say, Paul is dead, man, miss him, miss him, or whatever it is. But if you play the record backwards, you hear him say the words, Paul is dead, man, yes, miss, yes, miss yes. him, So you're hearing it forwards as you spin the record backwards. So if you spin yeah, the record forwards, Yeah, but not really. I'm saying it's it still backwards. backwards. I think it's just a fluke. I don't think it's genuine. Oh, you know it's, I mean? it's it's something that sounds like something yes, else. Yes, 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 yes. I don't think that he's really saying Paul is dead man, miss him, miss him. I think it's a coincidence that it sounds like that. Okay, that yeah. makes... So it's ba- everything is backwards. So it, it just happens to sound that way backwards. So it's a Rorschach test. Yes. You're seeing what you, what you want to yes. see. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. I think that with all the backwards things. Well, then how does anyone do that? You know what I mean? Because there are people that deliberately put in. Right, right. I think they must make it backwards on if you were listening to it straight up, like without turning backwards. I think they do have something that makes it sound backwards. So that when you actually do play it backwards and they're being intentional about it, that it sounds forward. Kristen, say a secret message right now. You're shot for natural. Okay, that's not what I expected, but okay. All right, well, let's move on. Miss the wonders of white. Okay, so then, um, so the cover of Abbey Road, which is really iconic, like everybody can probably think of what that looks like. That's the Beatles, like walking on a crosswalk. Yeah. Um, so people say that that is symbolically a funeral procession for Paul that they like cobbled together, basically. So they say, so John, I'm going to go in order from like right to, to left of them walking. Like John is at the front, basically. So John is wearing all white because he's the preacher. Ringo is in black because he's the undertaker. Then there's Paul, who I'll talk about in a second. George is in the back wearing blue jeans because he's the grave digger. And then Paul is wearing black and he's out of step with the others. Plus he's barefoot. So that's all symbolizing like the body and a corpse. He's out of step with them. He's dead. They're alive. And then there's, I love that. So oh, I do much. too. It's so like sweet. It, it's, it's, it's creating significance because it's, yeah. you know, I don't believe it, Yeah. but it's so creative. Yeah. It's such a good explanation. It's an awesome idea. I yeah. love the thought of it. And then um, this is something that is a reach and it would be sweet if it did work it makes sense but it doesn't it's just like it's just off so there's i hadn't heard this part of it until today um there the volkswagen that's in the background of the shot has a license plate that says 28 if like 28 if so it's paul would be 28 if he were alive oh however he would be 27 and was 27 because he because he was alive that's still really close yeah, but twenty eight, like no, it's you got to be on it or no cigar. Yeah, but even if he was like thirty, it would be so far be weird. Like it's really weird that there is a license plate that's almost the exact age in the background. Yeah, but if the point is he'd be twenty eight if he was alive, and he's not that age. I completely agree yeah. with you that it doesn't work at all. I'm yeah. just saying it is weird that like there was yet another very convenient thing in the frame that you could very nearly use to support a uh, you know an insane theory. Yeah, yeah. Um. So basically, John Lennon, with all this swarming around, at one point, he said the rumor, the theory was the stupidest rumor he's ever heard. Huh. He was like, this is so dumb. And um, Paul McCartney ended up putting out a live album called Paul is Live in 1993. <laughs> That's awesome. Paul McCartney, who puts out a lot of good album names, like, what was it, like, Kisses on the Fanny or whatever? Do you know what I'm talking about? Springs <laughs> a bell, but... What the hell was it? I should have looked it up. Put, a, put, put Paul McCartney Kisses on. 
<laughs> that should be a, like a series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Paul McCartney kisses on golf. Paul McCartney kisses on. Paul McCartney. It's something that ends up making sense in like kisses on the bottom. <laughs> that's what it is. Kisses on the bottom. It's supposed to be kisses on the bottom of like a letter, if I remember correctly. Like you like writing a letter and then like <laughs> writing like XX, but like kisses on the bottom. Kisses on the bottom. That's Come wonderful. On. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I briefly want to Oh, the mention, Paul McCartney is live album cover is him crossing Abbey Road again. I know. This time with a dog and bad Photoshop. And I don't think there's anything you can zoom to on that Volkswagen. Um, I did a brief Google on that and I didn't come up with anything. He looks really small in this photo. <laughs> like, <laughs> look at him compared to the It looks like him. bad Photoshop. Yeah, he looks too teeny here. <laughs> well, I guess it is. I mean, it was in 1993. I guess it is bad Photoshop. Yeah. What the hell am I criticizing? Fair enough. Oh, uh, it's so cool. I know. Um, so the reason that I thought to do this today, and I'm going to categorize these two short stories. They're almost like a mini Monster Madness, but not in William, the bits and bobs section of my tale. Love a bit, love a bob. That's right. So yesterday we were at, Ryan and I were at um, like a car dealership like all day because Ryan got a Jeep. And I don't remember why this came up or something. I think it's just that like Nirvana was playing in the in the dealership or something the guy who was um our salesman was really nice and cool and he taught he was like oh have you heard that rumor about how like kurt cobain is actually rivers cuomo and i was like what no whoa <laughs> right um and then i was like well have you heard the theory about there being like multiple andrew wks yeah yeah and he was like no so we both told each other the stories and now i will tell you guys the stories nice. so the kurt cobain rivers cuomo thing is very simple Obviously not true. Um, so Weezer was formed in 92, which is when Nirvana was having like a lot of issues and possibly breaking up. And so people wonder, did Kurt Cobain form Weezer for seeing problems with Nirvana, wanting to jump ship to a new band, try something in- entirely new? Why wouldn't he be allowed to have another band? William, don't ask questions that you don't want the answers to. Um, Weezer and Nirvana tour dates did not conflict at all during that time, so Kurt could have very well been doing both and having a new face during it, but whatever. People are like, well, they have a lot of the same facial features. I disagree wholeheartedly. They look nothing like each other. Um, And this is also supported by the fact that Weezer played a number of small shows in the early 2000s under the name Goat Punishment, and what it actually says on a couple of the sites that I read was that they were um, they were Nirvana cover shows. One of them was a Nirvana cover show. Okay. The others were like Weezer shows and an Oasis cover show. Um, so it's just like, what? So it might be one of the Gallagher brothers as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So ridiculous. Gallagher too, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll bet. <laughs> but no smashing watermelons. That's trademarked. Oh, no smashing pumpkins either. Unless oh, he's also Billy Corgan. Maybe. Smashing pumpkins was on Howard Stern this week. It was very dull. <laughs> yeah, what did he have to talk about? If you can believe it. Like, was all smashing pumpkins on Howard Stern? Yeah, like they were interviewed. Really? Yeah, yeah. Was it like the original lineup? It's it was, not, it was, right? It was uh, Billy Corgan and the guy not... James Eha? Yeah. I okay. Think, I guess. And then not Darcy. Not Darcy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, what are you going to... Yeah. And we turned it off. Down a lot to say, probably. I like the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, totally. Turned yeah. it off. Yeah. Not everybody is super... Maybe you can make awesome stuff and do great things, but not everybody's super interesting. Yeah. I would like to hear him talk about Je- dating Jessica Simpson. Did that come up at all in Billy what you Corgan listened to? Jessica Simpson? Yes. Wow. Briefly, but yes. That's wild. I know. And Teal Tequila. 
That's <laughs> so actually now that I think about it, I wonder if you had waited that that would be like a good episode of Howard Stern. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Maybe I should. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It out. Um, so then he told me that and then I was like, well, here's the, the multiple Andrew WK's thing. So basically people think that they're, is either that Andrew WK isn't like a person. It's more of like a, like a thing basically and like a collective and that different people play Andrew WK and spread the good world of a good word of partying basically. And, um, it seems like most, for the most part, people seem to think the rumor that has the most traction is that there was one Andrew WK in the early 2000s. And then starting in 2005, he was played by a different guy who's Andrew WK. Basically, there's there's this like it kept coming up. There's this one split screen thing where it's like three pictures of like I get wet Andrew WK and then like three pictures of like I can't remember what the other one is called. And it it looks like he shaved and lost some weight. Right. It is fully the same guy. That's the thing. It's like Yeah. Yeah, it, it, if you and, just like <laughs> change your facial hair a little bit, I guess you might be a different person entirely. Right. It's so goofy. So um, part of what supported so this theory is that he did one show that was like a radio station concert where he did act really weird and squirrely. Like he basically he's known for being like a really friendly, like affable guy who wants to like talk and hang out with everybody. He usually shows up at events early and will hang out with the crowd and stuff. And he came and didn't um come early like he they thought he was gonna come early and then he was like no he only came like right before he was supposed to go up on stage and he had like a hoodie on and then he had sunglasses on like the whole time and they were like this is kind of weird and then the show the the urban legend behind it is that he stopped the show in the middle and then just left like all covered up and everything again so people were like what is the deal with this like was that even andrew wk but the thing is (laughs) the guy who was the booker of that show wrote an article about it and he was like yeah it was unusual that he was like very covered up and didn't interact with anybody but we had to cut the show ourselves because we were worried about the noise curfew. So like he didn't just storm off a storm off stage. We had to end the show at a certain time. Maybe that he showed up late or something like that. Yeah, so like that a it, hard stop at a certain time. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Um, and people thought that was very out of character for Andrew WK. But it turned uh, out, yeah, I also like to party. Yeah, and um, have a blast. Right. Uh, look at the time. I gotta go. Yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> Couldn't think of anything else. Basically, to say about panicked once he was up there. Oh, yeah, I gotta get out of her. I can't party quite this hard. I got out of her. Um, and so it seemed like at first he was kind of enjoying and playing into the rumor a little bit. Like when yeah. he would comment on it, he would say like really weird, vague statements, like, "Well, I'm not the same person as I was." It's <laughs> just like, well, okay, what? But then more recently, I found this interview with the Phoenix New Times because he had a show coming up there soon in 2017. And they asked him about it like straight up. And like, what do you think about it? About the theory that like you don't exist and there's like a multiple collective of you. And he was like, I don't know. Like, it's weird. Sometimes it makes me mad. Like, because it's like, I'm a person. Like, so, it's, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. weird. And he said that he thinks that it could have started because it's very easy to dress up like Andrew WK. Like, you put on like all white clothes, like blood on your face and blood on your shirt, wear long hair or a wig, and like you look like Andrew WK. Yeah. So he said when there when he has shows and things like that, there are like tons of people dressed up like him. So he that started to get in people's heads and made them think that they're like they're all these Andrew WKs. Yeah. Um and he pointed out, which is weird and true, that these rumors about there being like multiples of one person only really come up about musicians like Paul McCartney and Taylor Swift. Interesting. Not oh, act- multiple Taylor Swifts too. Yeah. Okay. Um, not actors or anything. Like he said, nobody says, "Oh, there's more than one Bradley Cooper." 
Yeah, like yeah. it doesn't. It's only musicians, and um, he pointed out that that's weird because musician musicians are presenting themselves as themselves. Like they're not disappearing into a role. Well, I mean, sometimes people are a little bit, yeah, but like performance they're, is different. They're themselves, yeah. not assuming characters in a formal way like actors. That's interesting. Which is kind of interesting and weird because you could think then like it might be a little bit easier in some ways for there to be multiple of one actor because if there's supposed to be a different person in every role anyway, yeah. you could chalk up any discrepancies to like them playing different roles and stuff. Right. Right, right, right. So it's just kind of like a, a weird thing that he didn't have an answer where he's like, I don't know why, but it's musicians that, that seems is to be a thing with. Although that does tamper with my theory that there is more than one Brent Spiner. Who's Brent Spiner? I picked one of the most obscure people. Oh. I could. Anyway. I don't even think there's one Brent Spiner. There, oh, there's a Brent Spiner. All yeah. right. Um. <laughs> Wait, that's a real person? Yeah. Who is he? He's <laughs> an Independence Day. He's that weird doctor with the long white hair. You know I don't know why he popped to mind, but he did. Um, the Andrew WK theorist. Brent Spiner. The Andrew WK theorist probably need a shorthand to talk about different versions. Yeah. So they should have like Peter WK, Michael WK. <laughs> so people don't get confused. Yeah, exactly. And I want to leave you on a note that perhaps will unlock a bunch of new conspiracy theories that you, dear Ooh. listeners and viewers, can take and run with. Love that. So Dave Grohl, obviously a member of Nirvana. Dave Grohl, widely rumored to be an uncredited producer slash somewhat like Svengali of Andrew W.K. and how to like present himself to the press and like oh, get the ball rolling. Why is Dave Grohl involved in both of these weird mistaken identity, multiples, doing different things, schemes? Yeah. Just what is Dave Grohl up to? And is that even Dave Grohl? What the hell are you up to, Dave? Mm -hmm. Why do you look so much like that guy from the Foo Fighters? That's right. <laughs> so much like that guy from Them Crooked Vultures. And so much like that guy... From Nirvana. From Tenacious D, <laughs> The Pick of Destiny. Yeah. It can't all be possibly the same Dave. And so why does he have a hand in all of this? What's, what's in it for Dave Grohl is what I want to know. Nobody has that much time on their hands, No, Grohl. of course not. All so I... I'll also leave people with this. So they okay. Can develop their own theories. Andrew W.K. Uh-huh. W.K. <gasps> Willie Chrissy. Oh, my God. So have we been behind this the whole time? Or is this not the real us? Ooh. Maybe you're watching our twin brother and twin sister. Or I unzip my body and I'm Andrew W.K. Ah, I do, dun, dun, I do dun, party dun, hard. Dun, dun. <laughs> I do have a classical music training that you'd be surprised to hear. Okay. Yeah, he's a very accomplished I musician, William. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I did write no and bursting bubbles, so you can just step off. That is true. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Good job. Yeah. Uh, sweet. Right. That was awesome. Yeah. Paul's cool. dead. Yep. Love it. Yep. Love Gozer. It. Paul is live. Yeah. Kisses on the bottom. <laughs> it's one of the best things I've ever heard. <laughs> Do you remember we lost our minds that when we found so that out? That is so funny. It was like nominated for Grammys and stuff, I think. Oh, my God. It didn't get any Grampies? That's <laughs> Maybe he got some Grumpies from the... Uh... <laughs> From the record label, who were like, kind of grumpy. <laughs> Paul, no one's gonna buy this man. I thought that and he's only, like, but it's an inside joke, man, with only, me and my friends. I thought only Lewis Black's albums were up for grumpies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm um, Dennis Miller's also getting nominated oh. for grumpies. Oh. Yeah, he's won a couple gr grumpies. Stip, stip challenge. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. Cool. That brings us to the end of another episode of Guide to the Unknown. That's right. How do you feel? Yeah. 
take stock of everything you're sensing right now. It's a lot to take in. Just tap into your body, notice the physical sensations, and then see if they can tell you anything about who you actually are yeah. or whether you're some sort of duplicate. Yeah. yeah. And then harness that energy in the palm of your hands mm -hmm. and use it to write a review on iTunes. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> or write a blog post or write some posts on Facebook telling your friends about us. Yeah, we love that. Turn that energy outward again and share this show mm -hmm. with the world. Yes. You can also go to patreon.com slash talk uh, slash GTTU pod. Yeah. Sorry, if you want to donate to Guide to the Unknown to back us. Mm -hmm, that'd uh, be awesome. Download the Patreon app. Look up Guide to the Unknown. Yep. Follow at GTTU pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Facebook. Mm -hmm. We record this show live on Facebook Tuesday nights, facebook.com slash GTTU pod. You can see the show before anybody else does. Mm -hmm. The show comes out every Friday on all major podcast apps and YouTube. Um, you can also follow us. That's right. How about that? How about it? I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram, or am I? I'll stop. She is. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Mystery solved. I am at Haunted Sponge. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you all once again so much for tuning in. We hope you had a good time. Yeah. We will see you next week for another terrifying episode of Guide to the Unknown. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it can be nearly as scary right, as Right, as terrifying as today. But until then, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Or do we? Is it our duplicates? Are they not even us? Are we dead? Hard to say. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>